Hello, welcome to Tea Hangs for the Memories. I'm your host, Darren. Today, we're going to be talking about um, the last film, I think, from the 80s for Tom Hanks, uh, Turner and Hooch. This came out July 28th, uh, 1989, right in the middle of the summer box office. It was a big hit, six times its budget. Uh, and of course, Tom is getting top billing, uh, sharing it with a big slobbery dog, uh, which is not the first time in his career that he's done that. Um, and joining me to talk about this today, I have Martin Sand. Hello, Martin. Hello. And I have Daniel Ifland. Hello. Good day. I mean, coming off the, the heels of um, Big and Punchline, this was, you know, uh, another kind of like really big hit uh, for Tom Hanks. Um, and then when he got into the 90s, uh, things went downhill pretty quick, I would say. Um, you know, but uh, this, you know, this was like kind of the last really big uh, hit that he had in the 80s. In that genre of cop and dog, uh, which was inexplicably super popular for a couple of years. I call it um, the Akagub genre. Our cops are good boys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, although I think in, in K9, um, the dog was like trained to be an officer, wasn't it? If I, I vaguely remember the plot to that. In one of the um, K9 sequels, the dog was a cyborg. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> um, yeah, and Jim Belushi certainly wasn't more animated than that. Yeah, so um, you know, this is uh, uh, you know uh, we're still kind of with Tom Hanks doing kind of broad comedy, um, but in this it's a little more. Um, I I mean, there's a lot there's a lot of patented yelling and there's um, a lot of physical comedy. Um, you know, when it comes to obviously the interactions with the dog. Um, which we can get into. Um, so, I mean, I remember seeing this film when I was a kid a couple of times. I remember my younger brother being a huge fan of it. And for that reason, I did not like this film. I didn't like it because the dog keeps eating everything and destroying everything. And I'm just not a fan of things being destroyed in films. Um, you know, like, and and just the mess. I mean, the dog makes a ton of mess. And I just did not enjoy My little brother would, like, the whole destruction scene... Uh, when the dog first is in that the house and starts destroying stuff, my little brother would play that over and over again, and I would just be like, you know, I ju I'm just not enjoying this. Um, so I was pleasantly surprised when I rewatched it and found out that that's a small portion of the film. The rest of it is, you know, is is kind of like a buddy cop thing, but with um, not not f fully with Tom Hanks. It's like Tom Hanks and Reginald Vell Johnson, <laughs> like the uh, the actual buddy cops. Uh, the dog is just a witness that is along for the ride. So, that you know, that's my memories of seeing this film. Um, I don't know about you guys. My memory of the movie is, of course, that I saw it a bunch of times as a kid. I would have seen it on television numerous times, dubbed into German under the title um, Scott and Hooch, um, because I guess to a German audience... The only thing they associate with Turner is Tina Turner. And they would be very yes. irritated if they were looking forward to seeing uh, Tina Turner in a buddy movie with a big slobbering dog. And they get Tom Hanks instead. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I do like that. It's a what's love got to do with its sequel um, from one <laughs> horrific monster to a slightly more lovable horrific monster. Movie set in Nutbush, <laughs> city limits uh, over the opening credits. Yeah. Fun fun fact about Tina Turner: um, she hasn't been an American citizen for a number of years. She's fully Swiss. Um, yeah, which is just I, something I found out a few weeks ago, and I was like, "Oh, that's a bit weird." Yeah. Um, and if you order, ever want some a fascinating document from a, exactly around this time, late eighties, early nineties, uh, Tina Turner's songs and herself starred in uh rugby league advertisements in australia for uh for the nrl intensely <laughs> okay. homoerotic uh ads to uh what you get is what you see and simply the best a an amazing artifact it's on youtube it surfaces every now and then as, a as an artifact outside of australia but we, we all know it very well down here there you go so that's all your facts about tina turner that you need from this particular podcast <laughs> uh daniel uh Turner and Hooch? Yeah, big favourite in our house. Um, 
I'm probably slightly older than and than than, than Darren and Martin. So uh, yeah, my brother and I used to watch this uh, over and over again out of the VHSs. We were big, uh, uh, without meaning to be, we were big Touchstone fans, uh, and uh, we we loved that style of movie. It was sort of perfect for the the tween times that I found myself in. So uh, yeah, we we we, uh, we loved it. We loved much more Hanks than Hooch. Um, love the yelling. Love the uh, small town vibe. Very. Uh, very easy movie to watch, um, despite the uh, wrapping up with the vague drug, drug trade and, and shotguns. But uh, every movie did back then, so it was a, it wasn't a surprise. Yeah, I mean, I, it's, I mean, it, it is worth saying. Obviously, this is, I think, Tom Hanks returning to Touchdown for the first time since doing Splash, which obviously was the film that launched Touchdown. Um, and you know, obviously, Touchdown was created so that Disney could make films that was like that weren't just like a rated U or whatever the lowest rating is in everybody's country where basically everybody can see it. Um, but instead they could move into like the PG territory. Um, and of course, I mean, that's funny these days because, you know, uh, everything that comes out of Marvel is like PG 13. <laughs> so like, you know, it, it, it feels weird that they felt the need to create the studio to not make like adult films, but just make films that were kind of still for kids, but had, adult references in so like obviously you could never get away with like a disney live action film having like drugs and guns and everything in it like that just you know that just wouldn't go so yeah this is you know this is kind of what touchstone uh was made to do was something that that kind of appeals to kids with the the kind of the poster of you know tom and the dog and but then also has some slightly adult elements um you know a lot of which include tom hanks in his pants very much um, very much you know which we'll get into as we talk about the film more um and we start with um a montage of scott turner the protagonist obviously in the title played by tom hanks um like first of all we in, we're introduced to him and he is sweating up a storm um you know working out and then he pays his bills and then he cleans his like he gets like a t- there's like a, t- a tiny bit of spilt milk in his fridge and he basically takes everything out of it and completely cleans it top to bottom. Um, you know, we see him making coffee the way Americans do, uh, which is with a lot of moving parts um, and, you know, pressing his trousers, which is ne- I mean, I personally, I've never had to press trousers. I think, you know, an iron has always been good enough. Um, and then cleaning his shoes uh, and, you know, flossing a ridiculous amount and then doing the, the I don't know, probably my favorite bit of this montage is him kind of checking that the length of his nose hairs are equal. Um, so he'll cut from one side and then he'll kind of turn his head a little bit and then he'll cut on the other side. And then he'll turn his head back and he just keeps doing that. And it's like, OK, we you know, we get we get the idea, you know, like um He's extremely, he's like a, you know, kind of, he's got OCD or whatever, or he's extremely tidy or, you know, um, something that, I mean, it's obviously being set up so that once the dog arrives, there is a kind of contrast between uh, this kind of neat freak and the very messy dog. Um, But, you know, aside from a couple of times where the dog makes a mess, it's not really gone into, but, you know, the montage is just building up a very particular um, type of person. Well, it's also never more than a character quirk or an inconvenience, um, not like a big plot point. You know, his um, his anal tendencies never stop him from, uh, you know, doing anything. It's not like uh, there are things he can't do in the movie as a cop because something's too dirty or anything like that. He's not a monk type character. Which, um, you know, it does remind me a little of the opening titles for Monk, where he is kind of, like, fussing over stuff. Um, but then also being covered in sewage water or whatever. <laughs> it <laughs> is know? a jungle out there. Uh, very much so. Um, and, uh, I mean, yeah, so, I I mean, I like this. I like this kind of, I mean, you know, the efficiency of establishing that he is this type of person over the, like, opening credits is you know that's handy to do um you know we find out that we've got five screenwriters on this film um although i think uh daniel petra jr is the one who is credited with like the idea and then everybody else kind of came on board and uh did rewrites and stuff um but yeah um i, I mean you know i i like uh, i mean once he gets to the office 
you know, we find out he is a, a small town um, investigator, not a detective. He, he hastens to make that clear to everybody in Cypress Beach, which is, you know, a kind of uh, a typical kind of like small town um, where, you know, not much happens. And this is uh, emphasized by the fact that when he talks about his filing system with uh, Reginald Vell Johnson, um, who is playing uh, David, is it? Detective David Sutton, I think is his character name. Um, well, it's yeah, one so of he's... Carl Winslow's many assumed aliases. <laughs> yeah. Um, when they're going through the filing system, you know, they open up the kind of misdemeanors file and there's a ton of them. And then, you know, the kind of um, the, the kind of the actual serious crime, there's like maybe one folder in there. So it's it's emphasized that this is a small town where basically nothing out of the ordinary happens. Um, and that is why he is leaving to go to the big city. Uh, the big city in this case being Sacramento, uh, capital of California, of course. So, you know, a lot of stuff happens there. Um, and he's basically showing uh, David Sutton the ropes before he leaves. Um, of course, I mean, I'm sure David could come up with his own filing system. He doesn't have to follow the one that, that you know, Turner is being used in. But, you know, I guess maybe he will because it's such a, a well-organized system. Um, you know, but there's a lot of putting the same number on various different documents. Um, and, and that's pretty much it but once you know like what i like here is that you know the the kind of like we say he's a little bit uptight and uh, you know follows the rules and that contrasts nicely with uh reginald vell johnson who is a lot more kind of laid back about stuff um and you know i guess he wants to learn from scott but you know before scott leaves but he's not you know going to just kind of do everything that he says it also gets to that Um, hank's Hank's time so in in sort of the dragnets before you know through bachelor party through dragnet he's still young or youngish or can pass for young once we get to turner and hooch yeah his his sort of neurotic ways as scott eh, start to curdle a touch because he's he's old enough so that it's well this is part of his life now and it's been part for a long time so i i do like that that he's just old enough for it to be well it's not sort of just a uh a, a, a quirky little thing that he's doing in his 20s it's 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 what his life's like, and and he's he's well on his way to past adulthood now. So I do like that 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 just sort of it, it comes in naturally because of his age, really. Yeah, um, although still, you know, extremely young looking. Mm. You know, um, not like I mean, even these days, you don't look at Tom Hanks and think that he's in his sixties. Uh, you know, he even did a, a DJ set for his most recent birthday. So you know, he's young at heart. Um, <laughs> I, I was certainly, you know, you wouldn't guess that he's the father of Chet Hayes. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, we we get this old woman who has some scones uh, for the detectives. Um, and I mean, what I like about it is, uh, you know, the story that he like he's leaving. And that story is put across through the fact that people are not saying goodbye, but obviously they're kind of thanking him for what he's done over the years. Um, you know, by giving him scones for that one time that he stopped, I don't know, someone from snatching their purse. Like it's, it, you know, it's it's kind of minor, small crimes that he's managed to prevent. Um, but he has kind of, you know, made himself a part of the community. Yeah, and she's not. It's not just an um, old woman giving him scones. It's the oldest woman giving him scones. She, <laughs> she, yeah. she, she's uh, she, she, she's a lovely old woman who who's baked, but she she's getting on. She she's she, she's she's been she's been struggling lately. I'd say at this particular I mean it's funny as well because once they get in the car obviously uh, Reginald Vell Johnson you know is wanting to eat the scone straight away um and this is where we again we're still kind of building up the fact that Scott is a neat freak and he basically has a dustbuster so that he can he can hoover up the crumbs as they appear mobile dustbuster in um, 1989 like I, I was I was how old was I in 1989 13 I don't think I even knew it at home and dustbuster in 1989 uh, so yeah, I was <laughs> Fascinated just just to look as an artifact going back, going man, that guy had a mobile dustbuster in nineteen eighty nine. That's impressive. He really he must have had to save up for that one. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Could you? I could you charge it off the the like yeah, the cigarette lighter in a car? Maybe. I mean, that might be. There might be like an adapter or something. Must have been. Um, yeah, but I mean, just I mean, I, I commend Dustbuster for having a very catchy name. And also managing to kind of corner the market on tiny vacuum cleaners that people well, use. For so long. Uh, For so long they had that. Yeah. They had like a decades well, long run. And then they ran on D-cell batteries or something. <laughs> oh, there we go. 
<laughs> he stopped in at yeah, the gas. He stopped probably. in at the petrol station, or servo as we call them in Australia, and just topped up the uh, <laughs> topped up the dust buster on his <laughs> on his way to the crime scene. Probably has a glass box full of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the least efficient and most expensive batteries. Um, I'm not a fan of those gigantic batteries. Uh, also, not good for the environment. Uh, yeah, so he we. We get to a scene because there has been. Um, I'm trying to remember what the crime is that they're initially. Yeah, there's there's eight thousand dollars which is found by these kids, and so obviously they you know they go and uh, pick it up and catalog it, and and they they're doing all that. Um, well, they found so, it at you know, the we... beach in Ziploc bags. That's important. Yes. Yeah, uh, which is you know a bit suspicious because you know who is who is bagging up money like that other than people who are involved in crimes. Mm-hmm. Um, Although I say, you know, I say that, but I've got a ton of bags in my house, uh, mostly change. I'm not carrying around thousands <laughs> of dollars in bags, but you know, I've got a lot of like, I've got a lot of those like bank bags that they give you to put the change in all around my house. So if they do wash up on the beach one day, I do love the the little bit of suspicious. business with the the two kids fighting and the mother sort of giving them. It's a very, it's quite a naturalistic little sort of thirty seconds to get the movie on its way. Quite enjoyed that. We get an actual crime taking place <laughs> in the evening. Uh, where uh, a man uh, called Amos is um, murdered, we get we get to meet Amos uh, the previous day when um, you know uh, Turner goes to uh, he's just kind of doing his patrols and he's saying goodbye to people. Yeah, you know, it's significant that Amos uh, 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 tells him uh, <clears throat> about the um, goings on that he uh, witnesses late at night. At the um, yes. fish factory, yeah, he's a he's like a local. Um, I don't know what to say. Like fisherman, um, lives lives in a in a boat um, next to the docks, next to this fish factory. Yeah, local 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 junkyard sort of um, celebrity or semi celebrity. I'm not sure what Amos is doing in that area. He's just, <laughs> just hanging around. Yeah, he's just hanging about. Yeah. Uh, and the important thing, of course, is he has got his dog um, and his dog is, uh, you know, barking or um, what is he doing that kind of comes? He's doing something comes out to the 2001 theme. Um, yeah. We, uh, yeah. So, um, you know, Turner obviously yells at, at Amos uh, to, 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 you know, come out and uh, and Hooch comes running to get a muffin. Um, <clears throat> to the 2001 music, which has a proper name, which I believe Martin can say better than yes, anybody. Please, also sprach Zarathustra. And yeah, so we get a conversation where something is going on at the fish plant. Um, and, you know, Turner is like, I don't care. I'm going off to Sacramento. <laughs> so don't, don't bother me with that. Um, but it's important that that seed is planted. And also, um, you know, Hooch uh, jumps on Turner and has his teeth basically at his throat. <laughs> Um, but obviously he's not going to harm uh, Scott because he likes Scott. Um, and, uh, you know, so we we meet Hooch for the first time and the slobber that kind of gets everywhere. Um, uh, another important plot point uh, in this film in particular. Um, and then later on, of course, Amos is murdered. Straight up murdered. Uh, this is why this is not a Disney film. Um, it's funny because, like, you know, obviously Amos has been making some noise and talking about his suspicions um and then uh one of the um i was gonna say hoods uh, that's a very odd way of saying it uh one of the uh, henchmen uh for on wikipedia the, um, hilariously the, enough they call him uh an affiliate of the local seafood magnate which is the <laughs> okay. perfect way of saying it <laughs> great uh, yeah he <laughs> he he ends up killing um, he ends up killing uh, Amos, uh, R.I.P. Amos. Uh, yeah. We barely knew you. And R.I.P. John McIntyre, um, the, the a great actor, in, in, and and is, was in Psycho, Winchester '73, huge on television. That, that they managed to get him for that small part is is, is fantastic. Was this his final appearance? I think it was. Yeah, he, he died very soon yeah. afterwards. You know, from obviously then the the following the following day. Uh, so obviously uh, Turner and um, Sutton are called to the, the crime scene the next day. Um, while they're there, of course, there's some interfering sheriffs who want to take over the scene and 
Uh, I think this might be one of the reasons why, obviously, Turner rarely gets anything, you know, above, you know, the discovery of money that's washed up on the beach, uh, is because obviously the sheriff's office are, you know, will, will kind of try and step in. Um, Turner wants to make the case that he should be the one investigating it, and he he makes this case to the to the chief, saying that you know he knows he knows better than anybody anybody else. Uh, and he tells this to Chief Craty Nelson that he wants the case and, you know, it's going to be his last one before he leaves. And the chief kind of reluctantly agrees to it. Um, and then this is when we get some business with some dog catchers who are trying to get um, Hooch, who now is the only witness to the crime. The grieving Hooch. The grieving Hooch. Yes, yeah. You know, uh, <laughs> a bit of range from Hooch. And uh, the two dog catchers have got those long metal poles with the little things on the end that kind of go around the necks of the dogs they're both trying to take control of him um and one of them inexplicably just jumps into the water uh, unprompted um which is you know a more, one of the more obvious stunt falls in this film um and then the other one i think do they manage to get the collar around the neck but hooch escapes Um, Yes, and she with the collar still away, saying "not my problem," which is which which is exactly what I would do in that situation. But I love how they showed it. She literally just puts her hands up in the air and says, "Good luck." I love it. Yeah. So I mean, obviously, Hooch. We should talk about is um, a giant dog. Very big. Like that is (laughs) that is the comedy. Um, He's uh, what I think over here we would call a French mastiff, um, but has a number of different names um, in in you know various countries yeah. um but yeah it's it's basically i think a cross be between a bull mastiff and a bulldog dog be, uh, dog um, is it dog de bird, bird bordeaux i think is the dog de bordeaux yes. yeah thank you yeah our our yeah. Our, our, and, our, and cor- it, our continental correspondent thank you <laughs> <laughs> hey i'm i mean i'm i mean we're still in the continent of europe I, just because we're not in the I eu guess. anymore continental still... adjacent <laughs> yeah well, well, I've been, you're I've been an more offshore con- affiliate of the <laughs> <laughs> continent of Europe. Yeah. I, w- I will be more continental once I have my Irish passport, and then I'm once again a European citizen. Um, but yeah, so you know, this, it's a gigantic dog. It has the kind of jowls that people would recognise from like a, a bulldog, um, and I, th- I personally think that they're adding all the the slobber oh, because nice. I don't think it he's definitely. slobbering that much. Seems like stunt slobber to me. Um, but yeah, the only person who can get control of Hooch um, at this particular, and I say get control in a very loose way, is Turner. Um, he takes the uh, the collar that you know the the dog catchers have abandoned, and um, you know, uh, first of all, uh, Tom Hanks of course indulges himself in a lot of yelling, uh, yelling at Hooch and telling him <laughs> telling him that Amos <laughs> is dead, and you know he's got to kind of get over it. And he then kind of walks him to an animal clinic, um, but you, but just with him on the collar and him driving very slowly, which is just like, yes, um, and it's a it's know, a fif- an ingenious way of fifteen minute sort of orgy of of, of yelling and and physical comedy because all the work at the dock is is very physical. Getting in the car is there's quite a few physical stunts in that, and then when he gets to the <laughs> Uh, the veterinarian's clinic, another couple of very like strong, lots of physical comedy and just straight up physical stunts from Hanks. Actually, it's it's and it's sort so of really well done. Yelling. <laughs> so much yelling, so so much <laughs> yeah. yelling. Like who would have who would have thought that Tom Hanks would be at his yelliest in the dog movie and not in like um, the Money Pit or you know the Burbs, the Burbs. He gets, he gets yeah, I mean, he does a lot of yelling in those. Yeah. But yeah, not quite as much yelling as this. I mean, it is. It's. Just, I mean, I guess, I mean, if you've got like a dog that's barking loudly, then I guess, you know, you hire Tom Hanks because he's got to yell at roughly the same volume. So <laughs> it works out. Uh, but yeah, once he gets to the animal clinic, obviously there is still blood on Hooch. And uh, Mayor Winningham plays Emily Carson, who is in charge of the clinic. Um, and she, I don't think she's happy particularly with the way that uh, Turner is treating Hooch. Um, but, you know, he's like, it's not my dog. You know, like the guy who owned it is dead. Uh, it was his dog. That's what the blood is. 
You know, like the blood isn't people abusing the dog; it's just blood from the crime. Well, scene. except that w- when you look at Hooch, even prior to Amos's murder, he's not in tip-top shape. <laughs> he's drink- he's yeah, drinking beer. There's be scars all over him. There is sort of just Flea very mangy. yeah. I, I mean, I think I, we should say, of course, the reason he's called Hooch is because that is what he drinks. Yes. <laughs> um, so, bullets. yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's a he's a he's like a drunkard, slobbering dog. Um, who's not been kept in the best of uh, conditions? Um, yeah, and obviously, if he you turns know, into a worse person, he'll be immune. <laughs> <laughs> and Emily's not happy with the with the kind of way he looks, and you know, Turner is like, well, you know, sort it out because he's a witness to a crime. <laughs> um, and and so this is this is kind of where we then we finally half an hour into the film. We finally Turner and Hooch it um, as Hooch is going to stay with Turner. Um, and, you know, that is that's the only kind of um, the only real way for the film to continue. Um, you know, otherwise, because I think he tries to get it so that she will take him in at the animal clinic. But obviously she's like, no, we don't do that. Yeah, <laughs> um, sort of begins you know, the, we don't have time the, to. The, you're right. It begins the Turner and Hooching of the plot. Uh, and it begins the uh, the twin forty minutes of Hanks yelling and seeing various body parts of Tom Hanks in all their glory for the next thirty to forty minutes until the plot changes. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know if he like I don't know what's going on with Hanks, but yeah, in this film, I mean, I guess it's Touchstone, so nudity is to be expected, um, <laughs> you know, especially after especially after Splash. Um, so yeah, he um, he he kind of brings like he brings. Um, uh, Hooch in and he does this long speech where he talks about um, you know this is not your room and then he takes him to another room and says this is not your room <laughs> and he basically goes to the whole house until he gets to like the storage closet where he's like this is your room like you know um, and there is a there is a moment where um, you know Hooch is having trouble like settling and stuff and uh, Hanks ends up without his pants on and locked out of his own house <laughs> And he has to kind of break back into his own house before Hooch like destroys everything, uh, which uh, again, like it just feels at this point, this film feels like an excuse for Tom Hanks to to just be semi nude for you know most of it. Um, and once once we get to the next day, obviously Hooch uh, gets into the car uh, so he can go to work with Turner and begins chewing on like the headrest of the seat <laughs> when he's left in the car alone. Um, uh, this will obviously lead to, um, you know, Hooch being uh, being tied up later on, which will will lead us to some important plot points. Um, and when Hooch is left alone in the house, he manages to kind of um, escape uh, by. How does he break the door? He just headbutts it. I think over and over and over again. Yeah, until he, he gets yeah, out. he just runs. Yep. It, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hooch is not the most subtle of uh, of actors. I, I was trying to think that there was a clever way that he did it, but no, he just literally rams himself <laughs> through the door until it breaks. And then he goes through the entire house, uh, basically chewing everything up and Breaking covering himself. That's when they got me. I'm yeah, like, bra- yeah. He's, he's not a Greek. Like, how did that happen? He's like, oh, I'm going to break these plates as well. Yeah, he really does go on an orgy of violence in there. I suppose it's much nicer yeah. than Amos's house. Amos's house, everything's sort of broken and or covered in grease. And or is metal leftovers from a broken down car, so it, it's nice to have a place to. Yeah, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's just trying to make the place home, um, and he ends up getting into the fridge and getting himself a Miller and and open like kind of biting into it and just drinking the beer. Um, this, of course, causes him to become very slobbery, and so he tries to, you know, um, I don't know what he's he shakes his head a lot. And this is where we get the cuts to the uh, stunt slobber, which is basically just being sprayed all over the room. Um, and, and and then, of course, uh, once Turner gets home, he returns to this mess and we get ourselves some trademark uh, Tom Hanks yelling um, as he's he, you know obviously not happy with the situation. But he's I mean, he, he kind of like starts tidying stuff up and, you know, kind of. Um, you know, attempting to... I mean, he. in all fairness to Tom Hanks and to the character of Turner, you would expect that he would be more angry at the dog for covering everything in slobber and eating everything and smashing stuff and drinking beer out the fridge. Uh, but he seems fairly understanding with the trauma that Hooch has been through. 
Um, and so he just, you know, just kind of tidies up and grumbles a bit. Um, He's much angrier before and then, of course, after. Yeah, I mean, you know, you you think he would be, he would be super angry, but you know, I think he just understands that Hooch is grieving. So, um, you know, he just kind of tidies up. Uh, Hooch gets out, and obviously, um, previously at the clinic, I think Hooch had seen someone that he was interested in, and uh, and I think someone from the clinic had seen someone that they were interested in too. So. Um, he ends up running off to the clinic and obviously Turner follows him and he arrives at Emily's. Emily has newly moved to town. Uh, it's something that I think we should make clear. Um, so, you know, she's uh, she's basically just kind of like moved in. Uh, and once once Hooch uh, manages to get to Emily's and finds the... Is it the Lassie dog that he's yeah, it's a, it's a he was collie, interested think, in? Maybe a, maybe a toy border collie. Yeah. Um, obviously this is where Turner sees that uh, Emily's place is in a bit of a mess um, you know stuff hasn't been finished being painted um, you know just the kind of stuff that happens when you move into somewhere and start kind of decorating and so he just starts painting <laughs> decorating um, kind of without permission like just yeah. just does it um, you have to have you have to have trust in your superhuman charm ability at that stage and I think Tom Hanks is and Maybe not Scott, but but the audience and and Tom Hanks know that he's Tom Hanks. So, if it was Scott, when it's Scott doing that, jeez, oh, that's a bit weird. When it's Tom Hanks doing it, it's like ah, oh, it's Tom Hanks. It's great. <laughs> that's it. Well, everyone loves Tom Hanks, so you know, uh, that's why I'm doing this podcast. Because it would be quite a story if Tom Hanks came to your house and just started painting. <laughs> I mean, previously he he's used his Twitter to like you know return stuff that he's found on the streets when he was out and about and you know he's kind of been like oh someone's lost like their uh, their handbag or something and he's returned he managed to get it returned to people so um he did have that that thing where if people contacted him and they had like a broken typewriter he'd try and fix their typewriter didn't he so um you know he seems like the kind of person who you know i don't know if he was shooting a film in your area and he turned up to your house and you know maybe he'd cook you a meal or something he seems that friendly um but yeah, so it's basically we we get some kind of the the kind of sexual tension here between Mayor Winningham, um, who is you know playing someone who is just I wouldn't say a slob, but she's just not that concerned <laughs> with things being as tidy as Turner is, um, and so Emily's like because he's like you know I'll be back, and she's like okay, and he's like to finish the painting because you know he can't he can't leave the room like half painted. Um, but I do kind of like the, the. This is where we kind of get the the kind of the start of the kind of rom com half of this film. Um, by the way, a guy was murdered. Yeah. And you know, like, <laughs> so. Uh, it, I mean, I'm sure Amos would be happy that that um, that Turner was uh, had met someone. Well, and that Hooch had um, met someone. because of his death. Yeah, and Hooch has met. Yeah, everyone's everyone's. I mean, Amos is basically you know getting some getting some relationships going on here. Um, <laughs> Indirect, so, indirect you know, matchmaker. Yeah, from beyond the grave. Uh, yeah, so, you know, obviously, uh, you know, we, we kind of Hooch ends up um, in bed with uh, with Turner. Um, you know, there are some bathroom hijinks. Um, you know, there's some, they shower together <laughs> with a, but they, they both use the hose. <laughs> um, you know, first... First, uh, you know, Turner, you know, decides to spray himself down with the hose and then he sprays Hooch down with the hose. Um, you know, he goes to put a shoe on and there's a bunch of slobber in the shoe, <laughs> uh, which he kind of tips over. Which you think he would have he would have caught while he was tidying everything up. He seemed to be fairly meticulous, uh, you know, over the opening credits about cleaning his shoes. So you would have thought he'd have caught that. But uh, instead, he just basically puts his foot oh. in and then a load of slobber rises out the sides. Um, you know, typical 80s buddy cop stuff. Um, I remember in Lethal Weapon when uh, Riggs went to put his foot in a shoe and there was stuff squirting out and you were like, Murtar, typical. <laughs> um, and so uh, we get some... Hooch is going to work with Turner and of course he growls as we go past a wedding. We know that the bad guys are at this wedding. The affiliate's there. Um, the affiliate is... The yeah. Seafood Magnate's affiliate is at the wedding. Yeah, and but obviously... You know, for Turner, he just thinks that Hooch is growling, so he tells him to shut up. Um, <laughs> once uh, they get inside the office, uh, he he hooks 
uh, Turner to one of the tables, and obviously <laughs> this is where I think Reginald Vell Johnson is like, you know, why are you bringing him to work? And he's like, well, you know, can't can't leave him at home because he destroys everything at home. Um, and he he's like, you know, maybe this kind of table will uh, will hold him down. Um, of course, this is where Hooch, you know, he's still um, agitated about the bad guy, and he basically uh, a wonderful kind of stunt that Tom Hanks does, I think. Uh, the table gets dragged across the office as Hooch goes from window to window and Tom Hanks jumps on the desk and is basically dragged across the office uh, by the dog and well, then dragged important note, in the other... They have to open all the windows because Hooch farts a vicious fart. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, I mean, you know, yeah. So apparently the flatulence is so bad that every single window is opened and Hooch gets the opportunity then to see the bad guy. And he starts dragging his table all over the place until he eventually drags it close to the stairs so that he can kind of um, uh, unhook himself unintentionally. And this is when uh, Turner and Sutton, uh, they start to kind of chase down the bad guys. Obviously, um, you know, they're getting the message that Hooch uh, has obviously seen someone. Uh, and so they, they get into a car and they start to chase them. Uh, and they get the number plate uh, of of the bad guy that Hooch has identified by his growling and his dragging of a table across an entire police office, mm. uh, knocking people out of the way. Zach Gregory. Um, and Zach Gregory is identified yes. as the uh, suspect, who always reminded me of the uh, head honcho below Ben Gazzara in Roadhouse. Just, uh, you know, just the, the, the fighting guy. The, the the special forces guy that's perfect with you know is a killer and the greatest killer on earth except for the one person in his town that's law enforcement <laughs> or or in the case of uh, Roadhouse uh, um, the cooler but it's the same same character as Gary Busey in, in Lethal Weapon as well the uh, the ex special forces head honcho of of the bad guy so it's a tradition like no other uh, in the late eighties. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because, like, these days, a lot of the, like, heroes in, like, TV shows and stuff, whenever whenever we find out about their background, they're always, they're always like, oh, they're special forces. Yeah. Um, so I guess in the 80s, special forces were the bad guys. Now they're the good guys. Um, good guys in the biggest of quotation marks yes. there, though. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we get, we get Zach Gregory is identified as uh, the murderer. Um, you know, he's a former Marine and... Um, it's funny because obviously Turner had identified the the method of stabbing used on Amos <laughs> had to have been done by someone who was military trained, um, which is you know it's a nice detail, even though even though it had been suspected that it was just a simple robbery of Amos, um, Scott feels that it wasn't a simple robbery and obviously there's something going on. You know Amos had been talking about how there was something fishy going on um, at the Hi-yo. at the seafood place, <laughs> yes, and so, <laughs> and so. Um, you know, this is something that Scott is trying to figure out. Um, and uh, is this where they go to the they go to Boyette uh, to do a search? Yeah, he um, um, he gets uh, the the uh, the warrant search warrant, and they go into yeah. a big they go into a big uh, search of Boyette's the seafood magnates uh, seafood warehouse. Yeah, um, I mean a seafood seafood magnate. Um, I mean, something's got to be fishy with that guy. And so they uh, they Don't go there to find stuff. The <laughs> no, well, they they go there and uh, you know they find nothing uh, because somebody, big question mark, Craig T. Nelson has tipped them off. He is um, a, he, actually, Craig <laughs> T. Nelson, he is a big question mark. That is very true. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, he hasn't had a huge amount of plot involvement up to this point, uh, but is he there? I think he's there at the search, isn't he? When there's, yep. uh, you know, there's nothing there. Um, yeah, uh, and you know, uh, like it's basically down to the last day where you know Turner is going to be transferred, um, and you know Scott is kind of transferring everything over to to David for him to take care of, um, and obviously the you know the chief is kind of. Um, you know, expressing his uh, gratitude for everything that Turner has done, but he's like, uh, "Thank you very much. Please get out of town as quickly as you can." <laughs> Sacramento is waiting. Uh, yeah, and I, yeah, which you know would obviously be uh, a kind of you know a bit a bit suspicious. Um, 
Turner runs into Emily again, and um, you know they kind of flirt a little bit, um, and she mentions that basically she has kind of pictured him naked, and uh, you know doing other things to him. We haven't had to. Uh, we haven't well, had to. We, we we didn't have to picture. Yeah, we we, had we haven't had to picture at, it at us constantly. <laughs> yeah, uh, and when they're on the when they're on the beach, they like uh, they kiss, um, and then they go back to her place and. Uh, no, is it his place? I can never remember if it's his place or her place. Uh, it's her place. I think it's... Yeah, it's her place. They go back to her place, and um, following the deed, which obviously will not be shown on screen because this is Touchdown um, and not Miramax, uh, they they need something to drink, um, and he comes out and gets some orange juice and starts drinking it directly out of the carton, uh, which doesn't feel like something that the Scott Turner we know and love would do. Uh, <laughs> But I guess um, post coitus, he's just he's just got to get himself refreshed. He's just got to get those electrolytes back up. Um, and this is uh, it's funny because this is where they have like a you know they have like a kind of a conversation and uh, you know they talk about making omelets. And Turner in mid sentence kind of realizes something, um, and he runs out of the <laughs> out of the house and goes back to get hooch. Um, and they decide to go on a stakeout. Um, that we have missed which, that. That's the exact time when when uh, Scott tells uh, Mayor Winningham that they'll go out for a good, not great lasagna the next night at uh, I think seven o'clock, <laughs> yeah. which is an yeah. amazing detail. And I think it's probably something written, but Hanks just sells the hell out of it in that little. He has a sort of little mini one minute sort of two to force there where he bangs on the saucepans and talks at a million miles an hour that are uh, in the same way you might actually if you actually had a eureka moment or you feel excited about an idea he, he really turns it on there for a, for a good minute or two before he runs out of the to get hooch for the stakeout yeah i mean this is this is something that i think i talked about a little bit in the punchline episode which is when he was on stage doing like written material he wasn't his character isn't very funny apart from the last the last run where he does where he talks about being a um uh, not a hate monger, more of a hate stylist. Um, but like off stage, the character he plays in Punchline is exactly like this, where he's always like coming up with stuff really quick mm. and you know very funny. And it's like it's just such a weird kind of thing that in Punchline his character is funnier when he's not doing stand up. Um, but I think that's just basically Tom Hanks's natural charm of like being able to, mm. like you say, with something like this, just kind of go off and do like a little run and you know really kind of sell it. Um, and that's just like something that he just can he's just able to do um yeah uh and this is where um i'm trying to remember is this where hooch sniffs out something and yeah, finds so the... They, the next morning um so that that morning they go on a stakeout and then he asked david to bring over something as a as a bit of evidence so he brings over the money bags that the eight thousand dollars was in um yeah and, and, and so also the hooch can kind brings of... the immortal words you hump the vet uh, as uh, Reginald Val Johnson says halfway <laughs> through that drive, which always kills me. Uh, Reginald Val Johnson, of course, earlier in the film was it was trying to encourage uh, Turner to to get some, so he's happy that that's now happened. Yeah, it's very um, early in that relationship. I don't know if that's their first morning together. Maybe it's their second morning, but he's like, "You've got to relax, man." It's amazing <laughs> that, 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 that it comes so early in their relationship. I I just love the idea on the second morning of a if I start a new job next week and on this on the Tuesday morning. I uh, explained to the person I'm replacing that they're a bit uptight and that they should get laid that night. I'm sure it would go down very well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there would be no visits from HR, that's yeah, for certain. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and they uh, they go to a hotel because they've they've tracked down Zach Gregory. Um, and Hooch finds and... the bag, so he sends the bag into the into the he he goes off into the seafood factory and finds an identical bag. So so Scott's yeah. fairly Turner's fairly convinced now that. Uh, they're, they're doing something with this money. Yes, and um, you know they find Zach Gregory, um, and uh, when is this where he he kind of arrests Zach and puts him in the car? Uh, reverse. I think I think Gregory gets him at gunpoint. Yes, puts him in the car. Um, and of course, um, earlier in the film, it had been established that Turner puts on his seatbelt because you know Americans were insane, and for a long period of time putting on a seatbelt wasn't something that people had to do when they got into cars. Um, and there are still some people, I think, who are, you know, rebel against that. 
Um, and so uh, Zach Gregory is is one of those people who rebels against it. Um, and this is where uh, Turner sets Hooch onto Zach, uh, calling back to earlier in the film where um, Hooch, of course, um, is this where he goes for Zach's throat? Um, yep. Hooch? Yep. Puts him through the after yeah. he gets through the windshield, he uh, he goes through his throat while he uh, asks, yeah, him, he interrogates him. Yes. Um, and this is where we find out that um, Fish Magnate Boyette is part of the the whole thing. He's in on the the whole deal. The vague and drug trade and the vague money trade. Two for one in this <laughs> yeah. one. It's very impressive. There's some, some kind of money laundering thing going on that's <laughs> happening at the fish factory. And there's also some drugs or something. Yeah. And Boyette is great, great echo in charge. Of the Beverly Hills cop. We put the cocaine in the coffee grounds, then the money happens and then someone's bad I, I i the vague drug trade is, is just an just an absolute 80s special i love it i mean it's almost like in beverly hill cop 2 where it's someone is robbing banks but also <laughs> guns and something to do with horses i think mm. um it's a wonderful combination of the most vague kind of illegal things someone's betting on some guns winning a race or something i don't know it's a, it's it's never really completely understandable crocodile dundee um, 2 also has fantastic vague drug trade one of, one of the greatest actually <laughs> for, for, for a movie that's just about paul hogan wandering around in a in a hat in new york he, they always insert a drug trade in there and, and this one is the vaguest of vague yeah um and so we leave uh hooch is hooch is guarding zach um and by guarding i mean he's got his teeth around his throat so he can't uh, go anywhere um and the chief turns up and of course, as in pretty much any '80s uh, films set in a small town, when you see the chief turn up this late in the day, um, he has to be in on it. Um, and he turns up that's so casually the... as well. He's just sort of like, "Oh, hey, yeah. Scott, what's happening?" <laughs> I, love, I love that. <laughs> yeah, uh, Craig T. Nelson. I mean, uh, you know, I, I I only know Craig T. Nelson from a couple of things. Um, mostly the voice in The Incredibles. Hmm. Uh, apparently, Coach ran for a number of years in America, but over here it was on at like two a.m. on ITV yeah. Two. So same as here. It's not really like it's, yeah. yeah not really like horror a big was thing. the other big one, I guess. Yeah. Um, so you know, but he does an okay job as like the kind of small town police chief who's also a bad guy. Um, and you know, there is some there's some shooting goes on. Um, you know, the chief who's been revealed as a bad guy, he kills the other bad guy. Um, Boyette, and he um, he is this where he goes to shoot Hooch? Um, yeah, they start investigating at this point, and um, uh, uh, Boyette gets a bit of a drop on him. Um, but yeah, but then he shoots Hooch as well. Yep. Well, yes. Although Hooch- Crack the Nelson shoots Boyette, and yeah. um, then he has this whole thing with. Uh, 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 Turner um, telling him um, I had to do it they, they gave me money um, I don't know that it's drugs <laughs> I, just, I just and then there's something about Vietnam and um, he tries to get Turner um, to just to just uh, get in on the racket um, you know obviously it doesn't work um and that's when uh, Hooch intervenes when he's about to shoot Turner and uh, Hooch gets shot. Yeah, and Hooch, we think that Hooch is dead, um, but it will turn out in a second that that is not the case. Um, uh, Turner, because um, the chief is about to kill Turner, but then Hooch attacks the chief one final time and saves Turner and then Turner kills the police chief. Um, and then quickly... Um, Turner takes Hooch to Emily to try and save Hooch from his injuries um, but then Hooch dies R.I.P. Hooch um, and then uh, is this when we kind of like fade to black and we cut to the future sometime later <laughs> yes um, there should have been a, a Bratz-esque time card there that would have been tremendous yeah, or even like an Avengers Endgame, just like five years later, and you're like, <laughs> oh my god. Um, yeah, so um, Turner is now the chief. He's the new police chief. He didn't go to Sacramento in the end. 
uh, because small town life is so great. Well, I guess. also I that mean, you like to get your new job, you have to kill your boss. <laughs> Makes sense. That's right. So yeah, this guy's dead. Um, who, who killed him? Right, you're the king now. Good luck. <laughs> yeah, um, I guess. I mean, he's the most like qualified investigator in the mm. in the small town. Um, oh, Sutton's going to do it. He's going to do it. Sutton. He's not. That's Sutton's not up for yeah. it. Yeah. Well, who's got any of the people in the police station who couldn't figure out that a gigantic dog wouldn't be <laughs> held down by a table? <laughs> Those people aren't qualified. Uh, yeah. You, well, you know. Well, it's always the thing as well, isn't it? The person who solves the big case is the one who gets the promotion. Uh, it just so happens he also killed the chief <laughs> while he was doing that. So. Well, know, I think that's the uh, right of succession there. Yeah. Yeah, it's Klingon. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, Um, and you know, he 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 gets home because he's been called. Is this where he's been called to go home uh, because there's something going on in his home? There's a problem in the house. Yeah, there's a problem, Um, and so he turns up, and um, we see that there is a a litter of kittens, uh, kittens. There's a litter of puppies, (laughs) and um, and. Turner goes upstairs because there's one last puppy we have to meet because all the other puppies look like the mom. Um, yeah, they're all cars. How it, yeah, which is how it works with with dogs, isn't it? You get if you get two different breeds of dog, well, uh, the puppies are always obviously collies are girl dogs and uh, mastiffs yeah. are boy dogs. So if you have a litter <laughs> and it's um, like a couple of daughters and one son, you have uh, collies and one mastiff. The natural yeah. world, huh? <laughs> yeah, so I'm sure Mendeleev would completely agree with how this works, and so he he goes up and he's kind of re- repeating the rules that he did earlier in the film, and when he opens like the the little closet, uh, we see that there is a mini hooch. Uh, welcome, Hooch Junior, um, and that is where the film finishes. Um, and the funny thing is, you know, a lot of Tom Hanks films in the eighties. Uh, led to sequels that didn't star Tom Hanks, <laughs> such as Splash Two, um, or um, what was the other one that had like a sequel where somebody was just took over the role that he was in? Hmm. Oh, Bachelor Party. There's like a Bachelor Party sequel. It was just like a remake, basically. Um, or they had TV series. There was a ton of you know nothing in common turned into a, a sitcom that lasted like ten episodes. <laughs> Um, and in this case, there was a many, many years ago, there was an attempt to turn this into a TV show. Um, but yeah, we should also talk a little bit about the director, um, Roger Spottiswood, who is Canadian British. Poor name. You know, so yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, and uh, bef- like before Turner and Hooch, he'd done a few films, um, you know. Um, but straight after Turner and Hooch, he did Air America, and then he did Stop or My Mum Will Shoot. And then he followed that up by doing uh, Mesmer, and then Tomorrow Never Dies, the Bond film. And then he finished his he finished the, the decade doing um, The Sixth Day. So, I mean, that is a career. Most recently, he did a film called uh, A Street Cat Named Bob, which is about this cat who lives on the streets. Um, and there was a book about it, and it was adopted into a film. But, like, yeah, um, it just, uh, I mean, from Turner and Hooch to Stop All My Mum Will Shoot in three years, that's... Also, uh, the you know. the stark contrast between his television work and his movie work. His movie work is, like, all over the place, but often follows that sort of style. And then his, yeah. his movie work, his TV movie work, includes movies called... Well, the famous TV TV movie, The End the Band Played On, which I think is the Matthew Modine movie about the uh, age crisis crisis in the mid-80s. Also, he had a movie called Hiroshima, uh, Noriega, God's Favourite, and Matthew Shepard's Story, all of which are horrifying stories compared to his output (laughs) within the movies. It's amazing. (laughs) It's like he went to television to, to do his serious work. I mean... Compared to a dog dying. Well, now we see where it comes yeah. from, right? Now we see where it comes from. He was influenced by his yeah. work um, on uh, on Turner and Hooch, and he decided, look, what's now for me is I'll, I'll go down the Air America, I'll stop and my mum will shoot, but I've got to get back to my Turner and Hooch roots. Uh, and, and so he went for Hiroshima <laughs> and um, the Matthew Shepard story to, to get back to yeah. his sad uh, endings. Good Lord. 
and that and that was after that was after he'd written forty eight hours at the start of the eighties. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, if you want someone who's had a career, uh, <laughs> which maybe Spikeswood. explains the um, uh, uh, short um, uh, the the part of Turner and Hooch where they um, you know track down the henchmen at the motel. That's visually and stylistically a little more 48 hours than Turner and Hooch for just a few minutes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and <laughs> pass our judgments on the original um, Turner and Hooch uh, T. Hanks or no T. Hanks. Uh, I'm going to start with uh, Daniel. Uh, uh, T. Hanks for me. Yeah, I uh, enjoy um, I enjoy Tom Hanks pushing his sort of yelling early period uh, as far as you can go and um, to the movies that I sort of revisit of his the most it, it is this period it's what I guess you would call the the revolver rubber soul era Hanks so um, the Joe versus a volcano uh, big this one probably finishing even though it's a little bit with League of Their Own and Slips in Seattle everything after that I enjoy but that's that's sort of my golden period the the late 80s and, and early 90s Hanks so yeah big T Hanks for me and Martin. That's a T. Hanks for me, too. I like the movie a lot better than, um, you know, almost every review I've read online. Um, when this episode comes out, even now as we're recording, um, um, We Hate Movies um, scooped us uh, on ah. a uh, Turn and Hooch episode. They all hated it. I like this movie. I think it's not that bad. It's not a great script, but it's all, you know, clean everything that happens in the movie is properly seeded and set up um it's snappy it moves quickly it's entertaining and um you know it's a charming entertaining um 80s movie with like you know some warts and the dog dies well but problem with we hate movies is that they hate movies so I feel like they were always going to hate Turner and Hooch. Yeah, I mean, I'd say T. Hanks for me. Like I said, when I was younger, my brother was kind of obsessed with the like dog destroying the house part of this film. And I think this is more than that, um, you know. Uh, and, you know, I just enjoy Tom Hanks like yelling half naked for most of the film. I mean, it's such a weird, like a weird choice. But like, I guess, I, I don't know, I guess he'd like lost some weight or put some muscle on or something. He was just like, he was just like, forget, you know, like just, this is it. I'm, I'm topless. I'm sweaty. You know, like he's he's just making some choices in terms of. He's very. Uh, it's very eighties you know. in shape. I would call it. He's in. He's in great squash shape. It's uh, yeah. Well, there it's has also to one be, of those things. There has where... to be one person out there whose exact fetish is Tom Hanks yelling in underpants, and um, <laughs> <laughs> they're getting all you can get out of this. Movie. Here's 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 the thing, Martin. I think I know how the, know who that person is, and it's Rita Wilson, and that's. Yeah. <laughs> That's who this film was made for. He was like, "Yeah, I'm going to preserve it on film. I'm going to get a studio to finance it, but you'll get you'll get me yelling in my underwear on film, and we can watch it for the rest of time, and it'll be preserved for everyone to see." Um, yeah, it's you know it's a fun film. That like you know the plot is kind of typical eighties in that it's like you know one man gets killed, and you know they spend quite a lot of time on that on that, but it it kind of ends up being like fifty percent like hijinks with the dog um and you have to kind of remind yourself at certain points the reason why that dog is with you know turner is because somebody was murdered so, <laughs> so and that's kind of like a lot of 80s comedies is like someone's been murdered but for the you know for the next 40 minutes here's a bunch of hilarious hijinks mm. until you kind of get back to that plot um and so yeah you know it's, it's kind of it's a, you know it's a fun watch you know you can't really go wrong with kind of 80s tom hanks you know he there's a couple of i mean you can because there's a couple of films that really weren't that good in the 80s but for the majority of it you know he, he does he does like uh you know just him yelling and stuff it's just fun you know he does a bit of physical comedy in it as well riding that desk um you know and not in the kind of cop without a badge type way but in the literal riding of a desk um so yeah you know it's it's a it's a fun it's a fun film um i could i don't think i could understand why people would hate the film i mean i kind of could if you don't like a slobbery dog but there's, there's a lot less of that than you would think yeah um, it's very it's very know. yelly it's him pushing i think it's pushing that this and the burbs sort of push that early persona i'm not even sure if he's meaning to do it but he's like pushing how much can someone yell in a movie and still be charming <laughs> 
and he's 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 at the edge. This and the Burbs are sort of like, and it proves he, he still is charming. I still enjoy his company in the movie. A lot of the time in the eighties, his yelling is just at inanimate objects or pets or yeah. the sky. Like he's not <laughs> yelling at people. You know, he's yelling at at kind of nature really. Hmm. Um, so yeah, and I, I like as well in Money Pit when he got stuck in the floor and he couldn't yell, and that was the that was the, <laughs> it was like a meta joke. Yeah, it's like he's 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 restricted, so he couldn't yell, and he needed to yell at that moment to get people's <laughs> attention. So, uh, but yeah, no, it's a it's a fun film. Um, so, like I say, I don't know how people would like hate it. I mean, you might find it a bit boring in parts, maybe, but you know, there's nothing there's nothing really that bad in this. Um, so, with that said, let's go to plugs. Uh, I'm going to start with Martin. Is there anything that you wish to plug? Get vaccinated, <laughs> please. <laughs> and Daniel, is there anything that you uh, I'll plug? Play? I'll plug the fact that I uh, misremembered Craig T. Nelson in Amityville Horror when it's Poltergeist that he's in. So watch Poltergeist; yeah. it's uh, it's a great movie. Um, and you can find us uh, on uh, Twitter at t underscore ft memory. Extremely awkward, hard for you to remember. So you know, uh, just kind of I don't know, rate and review instead of trying to find us on on Twitter. Um, so it's great speaking to you guys uh, for this episode thanks for being my guest thanks Darren lovely time happy to be here and next time we are going to be in court because it is Joe versus the volcano <laughs> <laughs>